Well, good morning. Last week, one of our community groups did something that I thought was really fun. They shared different photos of themselves from when they were young. And I asked them if I could have permission to share some of those photos with you this morning so you could also enjoy them. Now, you'll notice the first one is one of our dearest senior members here at Hope Chapel. It's actually Richard Manzel. The next picture is our very own Sonia Crawford, followed by her handsome husband, Kenny. And then the next one you might mistake for Ellie Klimek, but it's actually Pam Klimek. And then I thought I would save one of the funniest ones to last. Yes, it, it is, it's me with hair. Uh, I'm over on the left side and wearing glasses and I look preppy and dorky. And alongside of me, um, there's also Susan Bowden and a group of us from Trinity Church uh, College of Ministry. Now, every picture that I just showed has a story that goes along with it. Now, I haven't talked to Richard, but I would love to hear what the occasion was for the photo and who was with him. And then Susan and I were talking about our picture and it brought back memories because it was actually Susan's 21st birthday celebration. Now, as I mentioned last week, John Mark left us a photo album of Jesus's life and teachings. Every story is a snapshot of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And this morning, we're going to take a look at four stories that paint a picture of Jesus and his ministry. The first is Jesus's baptism. Secondly, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Thirdly, Jesus enters Galilee. And then fourth, Jesus calls his first disciples. Pray with me. Father, we're grateful this morning for the privilege of worshiping you. Lord, I pray as we're in our homes that you would take away distractions this morning. That you'd calm our kids and that you would help all of us to have ears to hear you this morning. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you comfort us? Would you encourage us as we look at this amazing gospel of Mark? And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them. Or if you're online, you can look at the virtual guide that has the the passages in it. And the first snapshot that we're going to look at is Jesus's baptism. Now, as I mentioned last week, the church in Rome was struggling under intense persecution. And many of the Roman oppressors were saying that Jesus was not the Christ. Now, Mark countered their accusations by first rooting our faith in the past and showing us how John the Baptist's presence and call to repentance fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. Now, this morning, Mark goes even further and he he brings an eyewitness into the account, none other than God 
himself. In verses 9 through 11, Mark writes this. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Now, in this incredible scene, as Jesus comes out of the water, the thin veil that exists between heaven and earth is pulled back. Those watching, they got a rare glimpse into the heavenly realm as the Spirit descends on Jesus. And the God of the universe... The creator declares to the world that Jesus is indeed his son. Now, Mark says to the naysayers in Rome and to any in the church who are struggling with doubt that God himself testifies to the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the expected king who came not only to deliver his people, but also to usher his kingdom into our broken world. And not only is the reality of Jesus and his kingdom breaking into our world being confirmed this morning, Mark is also reminding us that God's love has come down. Look with me again at these verses. God says to Jesus, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. God is a God of love, and he loves Jesus. We see this clearly here, but what we also see here is that God loves us too. You are his beloved son and daughters. We are his beloved sons and daughters. N.T. Wright says this about these verses. The whole gospel could be summed up in this point. That when the living God looks at us, at every baptized and believing Christian, he says to us what he said to Jesus on that day. He sees not as we are in ourselves, but as we are in Jesus Christ. It sometimes seems impossible, especially to people who have never had this kind of support from their earthly parents. But it's true. God looks at us and says, you are my dear child. I'm delighted with you. And as we look at this snapshot of Jesus this morning, not only is our faith emboldened due to God's testimony, our hearts are warmed at the fire of God's love for us. The God of the universe knows everything about you. He knows your strengths, your weaknesses. He knows your secret thoughts. And he does not walk away from you. He sent his son into the world as a visible demonstration of his profound love for us. This is good news to our minds and our souls this morning. And I hope and pray that you will take some time later today to meditate on God's words. 
You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So as we look at our passage this morning, the first snapshot we see is of Jesus's baptism. The second picture is of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Now, Mark's account of the temptation of Jesus is the shortest of all four Gospels. He only devotes two verses to the 40-day event. Mark writes in verses 12 and 13, The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Mark's brevity is purposeful. He certainly could have gone into more detail about Satan and Jesus's interaction to highlight the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy and to demonstrate Jesus's perfection as well as his ability to empathize with us when we are tempted. But Mark chose to keep his account extremely short because he didn't want to highlight those things in this snapshot of Jesus. But instead, Mark's account draws our attention to the wilderness and Jesus being in the company of animals and of Satan and the angels coming and ministering to him. Mark focuses on the wilderness and the wild animals and the angels to highlight that Jesus' coming is the reversal of the story of sinful humanity. Mark is saying that Jesus, he's the anti-type of Adam. The wilderness represents the Garden of Eden. And the fact that Jesus resists Satan's temptation in the very place where Adam fell demonstrates that God is recreating and renewing all things, beginning with the most tragic event in history, the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. So while we look around us and it appears as if Satan is running rampant and the effects of sin seem endless, Mark says, be encouraged, church. Jesus is the second Adam. And he was not only obedient in the wilderness, he was obedient all the way to the cross where he gave up his life and rose from the dead to bring the curtain down on Satan and sin. So this morning in the first snapshot, we see the baptism of Jesus and God's love roaring into our world. In the second snapshot, we see the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness and the reversal of the story of sinful humanity. In our third snapshot, we see Jesus's entrance into Galilee. Mark writes in verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, the word that is used in the Greek for gospel is euanglion. Now, anglion literally means news and you means good. 
So together, the word literally means good news. And it was a commonly used word in the ancient Near East because when a king overthrew or delivered a group of people, he would send out evangelists to proclaim the good news that a new king was on the throne, that a new reign had begun. So in Jesus's first public appearance and with his first public statements, he announces with great authority the euanglion, the good news that a new king is on the throne and that his kingdom is at hand. And just as the people were expected to turn their allegiance from the former king to the new king, Jesus boldly calls us to repent, to turn our allegiance away from the earthly kings that are ruling in our hearts. You know, as Michael mentioned several times over the last eight weeks, that one thing that the pandemic has done, it's it's put a spotlight on the things that are ruling our lives other than Christ. For some of us, it, it might be certain creature comforts, such as going out to dinner. For others of us, it might be leisure or sporting activities that we're not allowed to participate And for some, it might be financial security as we see our 401ks going down. I know for me, one of the things that I never knew was on the throne of my heart is freedom. I find a lot of solace in being able to go and do whatever I want to do and whenever I want to do it. But because of COVID-19, my freedom has been limited greatly. And the more my freedom is limited, the more angry I've gotten. Which highlights the fact that freedom is sitting on the throne of my heart where Jesus needs to be. And in this snapshot, Mark tells us that there's a new king. Jesus Christ, and he can only sit on the throne of our hearts. And he calls us to repent, to turn away from the good and bad things that are ruling us. And so for me, part of my repentance is to surrender my freedom and to worship Jesus and to trust that he is on his throne, that he is in control And that he is at work. The beautiful thing about this long expected king. Is that though we we do give up good things to follow him. What we get in return is so much fuller. So much richer. We get eternal life with our blessed savior. We get love as Mark just mentioned in the earlier snapshot. We get hope. As he mentions in the second snapshot, that he is reversing the curse. And so I wonder this morning, what might God be calling you to surrender to him today? What areas of your heart and your mind do you need to invite Jesus to come into and to reign over? Jesus says in verse 15, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent 
and believe the gospel. So we see this morning in the first snapshot, we see the baptism of Jesus and we're reminded of his great love for us. In the second snapshot, we see the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness and the great reversal of the fall of humanity in Eden. In the third snapshot, we see Jesus entering Galilee and proclaiming the good news that the long-expected king is reigning in our world. And then lastly, in our final snapshot, we see Jesus' call of his first disciples. Mark writes in verses 16 through 20, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father, father Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. In these verses, Jesus issues a call to his first disciples. And unlike, unlike a traditional rabbi who would never go out and ask someone to come study alongside of him, Jesus, speaking with the rabbinic authority, he goes out and he pursues Simon, Andrew, James, and John. And then Mark tells us that upon hearing the call, all four men immediately, they left what they were doing and they followed him. And I don't know about you, but if I could go back in time, I would love to have a conversation with these four guys. And, and one of the things that I would ask them is what was it about Jesus when he called you, what was it about him that calls you to leave everything and follow him? What was it about his call that swept you off of your feet? I mean, have you ever wondered this? I mean, we get some hints later in Mark as Simon Peter professes in chapter 8 that Jesus is the Messiah. And we know from the other gospel accounts that these men, they experienced a love that was otherworldly, a forgiveness that was desperately needed, and a hope that exceeded their greatest dreams and desires. But as I've thought a lot about this over the last week, I believe the thing that captured their hearts in that moment was the piercing look of delight. In Jesus' eyes. You know, we're born into the world needing love. But in addition to love, I believe our hearts were created for delight. We long for others, not just to love us, but to like us, to cherish us. We long for others to take joy in us. And we long for them to enjoy being in our presence. I believe Jesus offers these four men his delight in them. I believe he looks at them with eyes that see everything about them. And instead of judging them and rejecting them, he smiles 
and says, I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. I don't know if you've ever seen, it's an old video and dates me a little bit, uh, a, a video of Princess Diana and she's greeting her sons, William and Harry. And she has been on vacation and they're actually on a yacht and, and you can, they're videoing it from below and you see her see the boys and her face just, just glows with a huge smile and she goes running toward them and the, the boys go running toward her and she takes those boys and she grabs them and she twirls them around and they're laughing and they're smiling. It's a beautiful picture of a mother delighting in her children. I believe that when Jesus called these four men and when Jesus calls us, he looks at us and his face is is brilliant and he's smiling and he runs toward us and his heart is full of delight for us and he wraps his arms around us. And draws us into his love, into his delight. I wonder this morning, have you heeded Jesus' call to follow him? Have you taken a moment to look him in the eyes and see and feel his incredible delight for you? Mark here gives us a beautiful snapshot of our Savior's irresistible love for his children. His delight is here for us every day. So will we, like these four men, be willing to leave everything and follow him? I love the Crawford's community group. And them sharing all these old pictures of one another. Each picture, it it tells a story that helps us to get to know one another better. Likewise, Mark's gospel, it uses words to paint pictures of Jesus' life and ministry. And this morning, as we've kind of thumbed through the photo album, we've looked at four of them. The first is Jesus' baptism and God's amazing love for us. The second, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness and the hope that comes from knowing that the great reversal has begun. The third is Jesus' entrance into Galilee and asking to take up residence in all the rooms of our hearts. And then the last is Jesus' call of his first disciples and their immediate willingness to leave everything to follow him. I hope this week that you'll keep coming back to each of these photos, each of these snapshots, each of these stories, and ask the Holy Spirit to do his work in your life. The long-expected king has come into our world. Amen.